Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. We are so glad you joined us today for another discussion on leadership, learning those just small things in leadership that can make a massive difference in the future. With you today is my friend, Daryl Hurst. Welcome. Well, thanks, Larry. Good to be here. Great to have you. And obviously, you're the senior pastor of Dove Westgate Church today. Mm -hmm. You've been involved in business for years. And we just want to pull out of you some things you've learned over the years about leadership. Let's go way back. Did you, Mm -hmm. when you were growing up, did you feel like... Yeah, you'll be involved in some kind of leadership. Is that ingrained in you or tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, I remember going back as far as first grade. Yeah. uh, I had a first grade teacher who um, read Bible stories to us in a public uh, elementary school. Really? Yeah. And of course, I'm young enough. uh, I might not look it, but I'm young enough (laughs) uh, that that was illegal at the time. But she didn't care. She read Bible stories. And I always were very fascinated uh, and very interested in Bible stories and and the whole process. And so uh, she she was a a very plain uh, river brother. Really? Yeah. And she uh, she essentially prophesied over me, though. She said, you're going to be a pastor one day. Really? And, and I believed it. And I, and I really, so I really engaged with the idea of being in leadership in some capacity at a very young point in my life. So but that was spiritual leadership. That was True. church leadership. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're serving that role for many years now. Right. Now, but you've spent years in what we call the marketplace, mm-hmm. spent years in business. Mm-hmm. How did that transpire? When did you first get a feel that, you know, you somehow could start a business or be in a business? Tell us that story. Sure. So um, I, I, out of high school, I went to uh, a work in a, a large corporation. And of course, I was a very confident young man. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a polite way of saying uh, maybe a little overconfident. <laughs> and, um, and so I assumed in a very short time, I would be the, you know, whatever, the section leader or the, sure. the plant manager or whatever, you know, right, I just assumed right. that would be the course. And, um, and I saw quickly that that setting wasn't suiting me well, and, okay. and that probably wasn't going to work. And I had an uncle that was in the real estate business for many, many years. And he approached me when I was only 20 years old yeah. and said, I believe that you would make a, uh, a really good um, real estate agent. And the thought really appealed to me. And of course, he, he put out some um, expectations of success that were probably not realistic, right? Right. <laughs> but I bought into sure, it, sure, sure, and uh, and so I got into the real estate business, and uh, and very quickly developed an acumen for that. Loved it. So um, you're in your early twenties in real 20s. estate, mm-hmm. and so uh, what happened then about that time? It was also the church I was attending, the uh, denominational church I was attending at sure. that time. Uh, it, it it certainly appeared that I was on a course to also become a bivocational pastor in that church. Okay. And I came to realize I wasn't sure that's exactly what I wanted at that time. And about that time, I started coming to uh, to Dove yeah. uh, Christian Fellowship, sure. which was one church at the time, oh, of yeah. course, yeah. Uh, in the very early 80s. 
And so at that point, when I began attending Dove, um, the thought of being a pastor seemed really far-fetched because there was this amazing man of God named Larry Kreider who was a leader there. And I'm like, I'm just a yeah, spiritual right. peon compared yeah, to this guy. Right, right. And so I, 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 you know, this this whole pastor thing was probably just a childhood fantasy. Sure. You know? But I really was really plugging into business and loving what I was doing there. I remember you well when you were that age. I remember you know, you'd see there's a call of leadership in your life, even though I know you were involved in real estate. Now, you started a company? How did that work? Mm -hmm. How did that whole thing work? So what happened is there was a group of us, um, seven of us, uh, in the real estate company that I was with that really felt like we wanted to do our own thing. We had a sure. vision for some things we wanted to accomplish. So actually, uh, I wouldn't recommend this, by the way. Okay, okay. Here, <laughs> but, we're talking leadership now. Yeah, yeah. What did was, you learn about leadership? Uh, a lot, okay. <laughs> a lot. And actually, I'll just say this before I forget it. I really feel like... Uh, that that of course that childhood and youth um, call yes. to ministry was not just a childhood fantasy. That right. was a real it was a call. call it was God. a real call from God. But there was such a preparatory work that had to be done first. Right. So those years in business were a tremendous preparation for what God had in store for me. But I needed to go through that process first. Okay. So uh, you had seven people, seven guys with a heart to start a business. Yeah. What would have you done different if you could have done that again? Yeah. So. Uh, we were basically seven Seven of us started a business. There was actually eight of us that went with the original company. One okay. guy didn't want to be involved in ownership, but seven of us. Um, you, you shouldn't start a business, really, with seven owners, right. you know, eight employees, and seven of them are owners. Well, we That's, started a church with six co-equal leaders, and that didn't work well. Yeah, I, I, understand. I get it. Yeah, I understand. So uh, what happened is we uh, kept, uh, we were recruiting and adding new agents uh, and along the way, there was attrition in ownership, and you know, one person would get out, then another person. Sure. And ultimately, it boiled down to three of us that owned it for an extended period of time, and that worked a lot better than having sure. seven owners. Sure. Um, and, and during that period of time, then I learned a lot about how to manage uh, salespeople, and it's very interesting because as it relates to the the whole spiritual world, yes. uh, when you're in the real estate business, your your agents are all independent contractors. Yeah. And so they're not technically employees. And you you provide oversight and input, but they are independent contractors. And so it's not like the typical employer situation. The boss says, you do this, and sure. you report at this time, and so on and so it's forth. It's a volunteer it's, army like the church, exactly. right? <laughs> and that's exactly the parallel. Yeah. Like in the church and church leadership, you, you work with a lot of volunteers. Yeah. And so you need to encourage people to get to the place that you know you want your organization to go. Yeah. Uh, so in real estate, it was the same way. I had to try to inspire people to get to where I knew they could be and where I wanted the company to be. Um, and, and make them understand that this was a good thing and what was right. going to be best for them. Obviously, we do the same thing in the church. We need to inspire and sure. encourage people. We can't direct and, right. and command people. Force, no, man. not at all. So talk to us about what are some other things you learned, principles you learned during those days, in, those early days in business as you, you have this volunteer army. Are mm -hmm. there any other principles, things you learned, maybe the hard way? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. What I learned, uh, one of the things that I learned in leadership is that um, you simply have to um, sometimes take ownership for things you really shouldn't right. have to take True. ownership for. True. I remember reading a leadership book one time, and the uh, the the, uh, the analogy was used 
um, of drinking the bitter water. And that's a story in the yeah. Old Testament yeah. where a woman that was accused right. uh, had to drink the bitter water. Mm -hmm. And if she was uh, guilty, it would have an ill effect on right. her. If she was right. innocent, it would have no effect. Well, many times as a leader, you have to drink the bitter water, whether you're innocent or not. Right. And in many cases, I found in the real estate world that I would get accused of or, or people would be angry about this or that. Because yeah. you have to make decisions sure. that affect people's pocketbooks. And they thought you made the wrong decision. And many times you knew very well you had made the right decision. But you had to take, or even even all sorts of scenarios I could create, which we don't need to get into. But the point is, you have to be willing to take ownership for those things that you really shouldn't have to, and say, you know, and and just let it fall away. Yes. And it, it can be difficult because you want to. The natural reaction of a leader in those cases is to want to justify, right, explain right. why you're right, exactly, right, they're wrong, you know, exactly. and all those sorts of things. And sometimes you just have to. Just bear the burden of that. Yeah, yeah. I've often, often heard it said that you know, we want to be understood, you right. know, but we just need to be understanding, yeah. you know, or more yeah. Christ-like. I had a real, real interesting encounter uh, with an individual. Actually, this is now in the ministry realm, but I had a meeting set up with an individual that I felt like I really, really needed to confront them about something. And in retrospect, I did need to confront them, and it was the right thing to right. do. My approach was wrong. Mm -hmm. I went into that meeting with an agenda. Mm -hmm. What I should have yeah. done is went into that meeting seeking first to understand yes. before I saw it to be understood, exactly. which actually is a principle I learned in business. Yeah. But I, in that meeting, I saw where I had gone wrong was the, confront the confronting that I had to do needed to happen. Right. But I didn't first ask questions, seek to understand where they were coming from. Uh, I just went in and said, here's what I see and here's yeah. what I think should happen. Yeah, it's Wasn't, often that yeah. what we say is important. It is important, but how we say Certainly. it. Certainly. So that's really what's yeah. happening. Any other yeah. principles in those days before we fast forward? Uh, into oh, Larry, there's probably I so know. many. I hardly even know where to go with them all. But uh, none are coming to mind right oh, now. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Now, talk about how long were you in business and how did you get involved in the church world leadership? And I've, I've often, Daryl, told people that I think People in business make great church leaders, mm. great pastors, senior pastors, because they've learned these principles in the real world, so to speak. Right. I don't think it's a prerequisite for everyone, but I think it's helpful. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about you know, that process. How long were you involved in business? How did you get involved in church leadership? Yeah. So I agree with what you said. It's it being you know in business isn't a prerequisite, but I've often said, like if a guy um, gets out of school, goes to seminary, and jumps right into being yeah. a pastor, uh, he should have to be in business five or ten years first, it would help. and yeah, yeah. yeah, it would really be helpful to to experience that that right. real world stuff that have people have to deal with. But in any event, uh, back to your question, how did that all happen mm -hmm. for me? So I um, I was we had children uh, when I was in my twenties, um, and so I had three small children. I was starting a real estate company. I got involved in developing a little bit into building. I was on the board of directors of the Lancaster County Association of Realtors, ultimately became the president of the Lancaster County Association wow. of Realtors, and I was just full bore real estate. Yeah. And during some of those years, while I wouldn't have recognized it at the time, my spiritual growth was rather stunted because I was just so sure. focused on business. And then one time we had a, a guest speaker from the country of New Zealand mm. come and speak at uh, our church at mm -hmm. Westgate. And he, he had at the end of his message an invitation. And it was one of those sorts of invitations that I thought everybody would respond sure. to. Kind of like, I don't remember what it was. You want more of Jesus, would you say? <laughs> Something like that. You know? So I stood up expecting the whole congregation to stand up. But, but I, you know, I was genuine. I wanted sure. to respond to whatever it was. And about only about seven of us stood up. 
and I wasn't, I, I'm, you know, that didn't intimidate sure. me. I was fine with that. But what I didn't realize is that he was going to prophesy over each one of us. And I don't think he realized it when he did the invitation right, either. Right. But not only did he prophesy over each one of us, the seven of us that were standing, he started with me uh-huh. with no warning. He just said, <laughs> he looked at me and he said, brother, he said, you need to be less focused on business. You need to be more. Fo-. I mean, he just read my mail, more focused on the Lord and whatever all he said. God it it was just so right on. And I'm just standing there kind of like shaking in my boots, yeah. like, oh, say it, the Lord, you know. And so it was uh, it was very impacting to me. And I, I sort of started to rearrange my priorities a bit at that point in life. And so one of the things that I did, strangely enough, that was really transformative in my life is I began attending our church's Tuesday morning men's breakfast. Uh-huh. And so in that breakfast, uh, we would we would have like usually a speaker would share some kind of topic. Sure. And then we'd have about 45 minutes of mm-hmm. discussion. And it was just that one of those things of iron sharp, sharpening iron. Sure. And so it was it was a time when a real spiritual growth. My wife would say to me, when you began attending that men's breakfast is when I noticed the biggest change in your life. Interesting. It was, it was amazing. Interesting. And so... Um, from that, then, uh, as I began to get involved in that and become more uh, focused, uh, probably on spiritual things and on mm-hmm. the spiritual growth, I was ultimately asked to serve on the elders team mm-hmm. at our church. Interesting story about that yeah. is that uh, one Tuesday morning at men's breakfast, one of the men came to me who I had uh, sold a house to, and he said, uh, "My wife and I are thinking of selling our house." Uh, and I said, he said, he asked me to come out and do a market sure. analysis on their house. And I said, well, why are you selling your house? He said, well, didn't you hear? Um, and he, he mentioned one of the elders from our church uh, is moving out of the area. And I had no idea. I hadn't heard about it. Apparently, yeah. I was the last one to hear, but most people knew about it. But this elder was going to be moving out of state. And so he was selling his house, and they were thinking about buying that house. I said, wow, I was amazed. I didn't know this elder was moving out of the area. So later that morning, I was in my real estate office. My secretary buzzed me and said, uh, Dwayne Britton is on the phone for you. Well, Dwayne Britton was our senior pastor senior at the pastor, time. Right. And before I picked up the phone, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, he's going to ask you to be an elder in the church. And really? you're supposed to do it. Really? I mean, it was just that sudden, just that instant. So I picked up the phone and Dwayne said, we want to get together with you and Mim and, and, and have a sure. meeting. So I, we worked that out. And I called Mim and said, uh, Dwayne and Raina want to get together with us. And I know what they want. They're going to ask us to be elders. She said, they... They are not. So now, Mim and I had never talked about being elders in the church. It never had entered my mind once. We never thought about it. It wasn't something I aspired to. I just, it is not even on my radar. And, but instantly, I knew that's what they wanted, and, and I really felt confirmation. And so we got together with them for lunch, and yes, they did ask yes. us to be elders in the church, and that's exactly what it was. And so I said, of course, you know, yeah, we'll pray about it. But I did pray about it, but I didn't really have to because I already knew that God sure. said this was what you're supposed to do. So we did. We got on the elders team. And as time went on, uh, probably got more and more um, engaged in the whole church life and church governance and all that sort of thing. And we were having an elders retreat one day and elders and pastors retreat. Right. And I, at Kenbrook Bible Camp, I can still remember where I was sitting. I know the exact spot I was sitting in that room and that, what seat I was sitting in. And uh, our senior pastor, Dwayne Britton, said, uh, I feel like I probably have three to five years left to serve in this role. Right. And I'm going to be, you know, probably stepping down at that point. And again, in an instant, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, and I've called you to be the next senior really? pastor of the church. Hey, I wasn't a pastor. Uh, I hadn't had any formal ministry training. I was a real estate agent, right. a business owner who also served as an elder. 
And uh, through a long series of events, I uh, ended up coming on the pastoral staff and ultimately then became the senior pastor. And talk to those of us who are enjoying our discussion right now who are in business. Mm -hmm. They're not outers. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, not pastors. Mm -hmm. Don't even feel called to that at this point in their mm -hmm. lives. Could mm -hmm. be in the future. Sure. But as you look back in your life in the business world, uh, and I know you still do some of both. I, you know, I get that. Mm -hmm. But you know, you see, you were so focused on that, you felt like there's maybe you missed some things. Mm -hmm. What would you do different? What would you tell them? This is what I would do different. Well, one of the things that as soon as I got into full time ministry, yeah, full time vocational, everybody's right. in full time ministry. Exactly. Vocational Say ministry. that again. Everybody. Everybody's yes, in ministry. That's true. Uh, full time vocational ministry. I immediately recognized the tremendous. Um, opportunity that I had in the business realm to influence, to yes. interact with people who were non-believers that That's I had right. wasted for years. Right. So disappointed when I thought about all the opportunities that I wasted. Mm -hmm. And so immediately, uh, within a month or two, I went back to the real estate office and I said to all these people I had all these relationships with, I said, let's start a uh, before sales meeting. We had a sales meeting one day a week. And I said, before sales meeting, I want to start a discussion group. Mm. Didn't call it a Bible study. Uh, we're going to do just a discussion group, talk about life issues. And I, of course, I had all these relationships. And so people were like, well, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And so I started out with like about 12 or 14 sure. people in this discussion group. And so I started out with the question, um, do you believe there's a God? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so that was the first question. So we all talked about that. And then we took Rick Warren's 40-day, um, uh, what's that called? Uh, Purpose-Driven Life, yeah, that's what it's yeah, called. Sure. And, um, and so we walked through that one chapter a week for 40 weeks. And we got into all these discussions. And so point I'm making is I saw all the missed opportunities I had. Yeah. And then I went back and tried to leverage those relationships and was able to. Sure, so, so for sure. several years, I did that and it worked out really, really well. But my point is... In the business realm, business people are influencers. Yes. They have tremendous yes. influence. You've got customers, you've got employees, yes. you've got vendors, yes. you've got bankers, you've got accountants, That's right. and on and on it goes. Yes. And you've got all these people you have contact with. And when I got into full-time ministry, I was I was scrambling. I was desperate to find somebody yeah. who wasn't just another church person. Right, you know, I wanted right. to interact with the world. And so use these opportunities because you don't realize many times these great opportunities and just Ask the right questions. Yes. Just ask some leading questions. Get involved in discussions that go beyond the finance you're dealing with or the business transaction you're dealing with. Yeah. Now, I, I have business friends who tell me that everything you're saying, yes and amen. Uh, they say also that somehow they've learned that they can really trust God to give them wisdom and discernment in their business. And, and sure. you know, you know, you want to speak to that at all? Yeah, certainly. Um, God's very interested in their business and having them succeed in their business and run it well. And so I know one of the things that I also would do is I would, if, if I had to do things right. over in business, I would spend more time in prayer over my business, okay. hearing God on very just nuts and bolts business decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times in those years in business, I simply relied on my own intuition, right. my own logic, my right. own intelligence. And I would I would run that business uh, differently if okay. it were today. I would I would I would look more for Holy Spirit guidance, Holy Spirit um, mm -hmm. just just moments of you know direction that uh, as as he spoke to God me. is the best real estate agent in the world. Yeah, yeah he is <laughs> best business. He owner. lives it now as yeah. the best business owner. Yeah. Now let's continue on with your story because we want to talk about 
in a moment how what you learned in the business world helped you in the church world. But let's continue on. Okay, so here you were, associate pastor yeah. uh, of the church, and then you went through the process to become a senior pastor. Talk about that. Yeah. So um, I came on as a, uh, we, we call it an executive pastor okay. at the time. It was okay. uh, a little a little more geared towards running the nuts and bolts, the business aspects of the church, but also uh, ministry, many ministry things as well. But um, so my role as I came on, I saw it as I need to do whatever I can to make our senior pastor look good. That's good. That was my role. That's so good. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and I was not there to promote my own agenda. Right. I was not there to, you know, become the next senior pastor, right. even though I felt I was called to that. Right. I, I, I could not promote that agenda. I was not there to promote myself. I was right. there to promote the leader right. I was serving. And you under. did that very well. Yeah. Well, I, I felt like we developed a tremendous relationship. Yeah. We really yeah. did. Because he, he trusted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed a tremendous trust relationship. Yeah. He knew that I had his back. He knew right. that I was there to serve him. And um, honestly, from my perspective, what I've seen in ministry over the years, I don't want to say this wrong because it could sound like I'm trying to toot my own horn, but I don't see enough of that. Right. I don't see enough of that where people yeah. are there to serve yeah, right. the, the person that, that they're under and to really help that person succeed and look good. Right. And, 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 and ultimately, what, what sometimes what people forget is ultimately, as uh, I guess to use a... Um, a, um, an, an old axiom that a rising tide rises all ships, raises all yeah, ships. Yeah, exactly. And so exactly. as you promote another right. person's agenda, exactly. their cause, make them look That's good, make the organization look good, it's yeah. going to elevate you as yeah. well. And so this call I had to senior pastor, uh, I felt like I needed to hold it with very open hands, yeah. very loosely, because if God wanted it to happen, it was going to happen. If he didn't want it to happen, I didn't want it to happen. Right. So I really held it with, with loose, open hands. And I remember the process after our senior pastor did announce that he was stepping down. Mm-hmm. It was a year-long process yeah. of our elders team looking for the new senior leader, and it was a very difficult year mm-hmm. because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was called to be that person. But... Some other people felt like they were too, right? And right. so, um, and I, I did. I was not going to campaign for that job. Right. I was not going to try to get involved in the process. And I would have people come to me and say things like, uh, "Why don't they see? Obviously, you're the guy." <laughs> and I would just have to say, "Well, I'm sure God will direct them." Exactly. Well. Yeah, I, I, could, I remember that well because obviously I was involved in that process sure. and and, mm-hmm. and and saw the hand of God on you. Knew that you're the one also called to give leadership. But that's a key to leadership because yeah. you cannot just autocratically appoint someone to leadership and you need to get buy-in sure. from the people around you. And of course, you've seen the blessing of God and your leadership team and your pastoral team and, you know, unity and working together. It's been amazing, but you didn't jump out of the process. Yeah. So real key is the process. That process was extremely important. I, I actually don't think it was as much for me, though it worked something in me as well, right. but it really, I think, it was more for our eldership team and our leadership team because they got to the place where they were completely unified on this decision and anything short of that process could have uh, short-circuited right. uh, what really needed to happen uh, for God to put everything into place. Yeah. So it was it, it ended yeah. up not being a fun process for men and right. I, but a good process right. for the church. Now today you're you know, leading a growing church, a great group of eldership, great group of pastors. I mean, healthy, amazing what God's doing. And what can you could you say today that you picked up from business and, and your time in business that's helping you today? 
being a spiritual leader, leading these people, and obviously you're you're training people around the world. I mean, you're in South America and different parts of the world. You and I were in Africa teaching mm-hmm. leadership together a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's who you are. You're a leader of leaders. But talk about it's just a few things you would have learned in the past that would help you today. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about the fact that sometimes you have to drink the bitter cup of yes. water. Yes. Okay. There is another aspect of that I like to talk about, and that is uh, when you receive unfair, unjust criticism, mm-hmm. which if you're a leader, you will. You, will. you better be ready it's for it. Par for the course. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. <laughs> so um, y- you need to look for the 5% of truth in that ridiculous criticism you're receiving because there's usually yeah. something there. I remember one time I was very, very falsely accused in one of the most difficult ways ever. Uh, it was a very difficult experience because I knew what they were saying was completely false. I knew, right. I knew what, we don't need to get right. into that. But the point is, when that person was criticizing me, I, I was able to take a step back and say, you know what? They have a point on this, this, yeah, this yeah. one little thing. Even one percent. Yeah, even one. Yeah, not yeah. not five percent. One percent. You know, even if it's one percent. What we tend to do when we're criticized is we justify, yeah. and even if even if we don't verbalize it, you know. In fact, just the other day, I, I had a, a something that was a bit of a criticism. It wasn't nasty, but a little bit of a criticism, and and I don't actually agree with some of the input I received. And I found myself doing what we, we can't do, and that it was in, in your own mind, you run through it right. again and again right. and again, and you justify why you're right mm-hmm. and why that criticism was wrong. And, and you just got to stop that. Exactly. Don't rehash all that. Say, okay, I, I've looked at it. I feel comfortable with where I'm at. But they do have a point on this 1% or 2% or 10% yes. or whatever it is. I do yes. need to deal with that. And almost always inside of criticism, there's 1% to 10% right. that we need, to, we need to adjust. I mean, it may be 99%, right. but even if it's real false criticism, there's something that we can, right. we can learn from that. Right. Now, you're leading a healthy team of <clears throat> pastors and leaders and, you know, and multi, multiple staff. And uh, talk about anything, principles you've learned about how do you lead a team? You know. Yeah. So, how do you lead a team? Uh, how do you probably, lead a healthy team to yeah. keep people healthy? I believe that for for me, no, the, one of the first um, prerequisites mm-hmm. to a healthy team is communication. Yes, communication. And I'm amazed many times how difficult people find it to communicate. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like just even on electronic communication. Yeah. Returning emails, returning texts, right. returning phone calls. When I was in the business world, Larry, I if I wouldn't have returned phone calls quickly, yes. I'd have got run out of the business right. on a rail. I mean, people, they expected you were going to return phone calls. And everybody in the business knew the people that did. If you get in a business setting yeah. and we talk, you know, somebody's name come up, oh, yeah, they never return phone calls. And you, you just wave them off. Yeah. It's yeah. not, not important. Yeah. What I found in, that I found in ministry realm that I was disappointed in. I found pastors that you can leave a message and they might return your call next week if they feel like it. Yeah, that is not acceptable. No, it's, not. it's just not acceptable. No. And we need to. We should be better than the business That's right. world. I agree. We should be setting the standard for the business world. I agree. So I am. Yeah, you're talking um, about one of my pet peeves. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. You know, it's like what is wrong? Well, can't you get right. back on email? It's going right. to take you three seconds or five exactly. seconds or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, I find in those in the business world who've been in the business world do that a lot better. Mm-hmm. 
because they've learned it in that right. setting. They do it a lot better in the right. church world. Right. And so I don't, I don't understand that either. But that's an important leadership principle. It's, it's so yeah. important. Yeah. It's so important. And, and the other thing that I found um, in the church world that, that kind of disappointed me was um, a pursuit of, desire of excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so some people confuse perfectionism with excellence. Right. They're two different things. They are. Uh, we're not talking about perfectionism here. Perfectionism is a, is a taskmaster. And, right. and we don't, we're not talking right. about putting that on ourselves. Right. But we're talking about pursuing excellence. Yeah. And many times in the church world, people think, well, it's the church. And, they, yeah. and everything is like, it doesn't have to be to the same level of, of, of excellence and pursuit of excellence that, that people pursue in the business world. That too shouldn't be the case. We should yeah. be pursuing an excellence in everything we do. The appearance of the building, the, um, our presentations uh, with mm-hmm. audio, visual stuff, yeah. and everything. Everything right. you can think right. of, it should be pursuing excellence. And I, I feel like that is a place that the church world could grow in. Yeah. Okay. And, of course, that you also learned in the business it's world, true. and that, that comes yeah. over into the church world. So what about, you talk about communication. Let's yeah. talk about different kinds of communication. Obviously, <laughs> you're preaching this one kind of communication. Sure. There's getting back on emails, another kind yeah. of communication. Talk a bit more about that. What are some areas of communication or things that a younger leader should learn and think about now in their communication process yeah. that'll help them for the future. So the whole public speaking thing is a huge thing. It really is. And so if you're going to be a, a leader, not just a senior pastor, just yeah. a leader, a church yeah. leader, uh, you're, you're going to be in front of people talking. Right. And that how you communicate is so terribly, terribly important. I, I've, I studied public speaking at length. I would yeah. watch other speakers. Yeah. Okay, I that's would good. emulate what they did. I'd yeah. see somebody speaking and say, that works the way they did that. And I would try it. And the other thing that I did is that I would watch my sermons. And good for you. Now, let me just tell you, that is a disheartening thing. It to is. Do. <laughs> I know. I've been there, done that. Yeah. And that's really, really good. Oh, man, you learn so much. I watch. I, I can't believe I, I say that word that way or slur yeah. that word or my Pennsylvania right. Dutch comes out of that word <laughs> or, or just or I didn't engage the audience well with my eyes or whatever it is, you know, and you, you learn things watching yourself that, like I said, is, is disheartening sometimes, but you grow. Right. And so, so I would really encourage people to study public speaking, learn how to engage the audience uh, because we're not putting on a show. But if you don't engage well, your message isn't going to get across. You may preach the best message ever with the best principles, but if you're not right. engaging people, right. they, they, right. they walk in the door and don't remember a thing you said. Exactly. So we really need to be careful to engage people. Use personal examples yes. from your life. Yes. Such a big deal. It is. It's, when I, I had people come up to me today mm-hmm. from a message I preached eight or ten years ago. Yeah. And they'll talk about that story that the I story. shared. They remember the story, yeah. and so it, it and it drives home points by remembering those stories. So it's such such so, such a big deal to be able to share personal stories as you share. Yeah. And and for me personally, was one thing that I started years ago that I assumed I would end or quit doing after I became more proficient was practicing my messages. Mm-hmm. Now I know not many people do this, and that's fine if you can do well without doing right. it. I practice my messages. So what I do is I will preach the message from the pulpit to an empty audience, empty chairs, um, usually at least twice before I deliver the message. Two things happen about that. Number one, uh, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. (laughs) I'm preaching to myself. Many times when I get done with that practice session, I think I'm pumped up. That was good. Man, I can't wait to deliver that message. That was so good. 
the other thing that can happen is the reverse. I'll preach it. I'm like, oh man, that was work. That didn't yeah. go well. And then I go back and tweak yeah. it and change yeah. it. But by the time I preach it to the third time, maybe to a live audience, I have it mostly memorized, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it and it's very it's it's so it's not like I'm stumbling my way through something. I've already spoke this. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about it. And wow, it really works well for yeah. me. You know, many leaders may not need yeah. that, but you it know, works I, for me. I often have not done that, mm-hmm. but I have many friends who've done that mm. who said they they've preached to an empty auditorium two or three times. Yeah. And just to make sure that this is really what they believe God's saying mm-hmm. is it's work for them. And back to your stories. I just agree with you wholeheartedly. I remember years ago when I was just really young, I started to teach Bible studies. I thought, how can I teach with life, and how can I teach where people respond? And so I picked up this book by D.L. Moody, the evangelist of you know late eighteen mm-hmm. hundreds, mm-hmm. and I read this thing, all the sermons, and they're all stories. Yeah, it was story after story after story, and I realized people remember the story, and then they remember the truth. Uh-huh. So Amen. I from what Amen. you're saying. Now there's lots of ways to communicate. Of course, public mm-hmm. speaking. Um, have you learned what about communicating with staff? Communicating, you know, your, your heart with elders. You know, what have you learned about that? How do you so, do So one of the things that I am, uh, I don't want to get into personality profiles too much and all that. Right. But I, I've studied many of those. And I, mm-hmm. by the way, if you're a leader, you need to understand this. You do. It's oh, you really deal. do. The disc. You serve people yeah, by doing that. Oh, my, yeah. it's such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, disc, Myers-Briggs, uh, Taylor Johnson, temperamental analysis, the... Um, uh, Berkman yeah. uh, is one that I've used a good bit. These things are important to really understand other people and to yes. understand ourselves. So uh, to use the Berkman for an example, uh, it's an organization out of Houston, has a really uh, good um, uh, system. Sure. I, I am an expediter. It means I, I'm, I like to you get are. things done. You I want to make things happen. Yeah. Uh, then there's people who are planners. Uh-huh. And then there's people who are administrators. Yeah. And so I can do administration. That doesn't that doesn't bother me, you know. But but I, I prefer to make things happen and get things done. What I really don't like is the planning. Right. So let's sit down and and I mean I'm a visionary person, but I don't want to sit down and take three days on a planning right. retreat. That yeah. day. after a while my hair just starts to hurt. You yeah. know, we we that's got we got to stop this planning. That's we got to make good. something happen. Yeah. You know. And so that's what I've learned is that's my weak area. Yeah. And many people um, really thrive on that. Right. They want to know what the plan is. And, they, and even not just know what the plan is, they want to process the plan with you. And right. it's really important. So, so I don't like that stuff. Yeah. And so like when doing an elders retreat, uh, I really have to get resourced by other people on okay. how I'm going to do that. Because and I and and by the way, that's one of the things I've appreciated about having connections with here at Dove International. I will. Uh, I got lots of good ideas from you. Lots of good ideas from Ron Meyer, Steve sure. Prokopchuk. Sure. I get resources. And here's right. an exercise we're going to walk through right. together. If I have to dream this stuff up, yeah. it's going to fail. I'm, I'm yeah. just not. So it's important to know what we're good at and what we're not good at. It's excellent. You're resourcing your weaknesses. Yeah, that's what you do. You do you use people on your team then who are strong in those areas and say, "Why don't you lead this part of it? Do you do that?" I, I have in our uh, in our staff meetings. In fact, just later today in our staff yeah. meeting, one of the associate pastors is going to lead that meeting in a certain thing we want to do because it's what he does well. So yeah, we, do, we definitely, definitely do that. that that's yeah. excellent leadership. Yeah. Now, we've said different people receive communication differently. And uh, let's talk a bit about, you get an idea mm-hmm. and you get this idea from God. You've been in the mountains or whatever and God mm-hmm. spoke to you and you're ready to see this thing happen. How do you process that with your team? Yeah. What does that look as a lot of leaders fail this yeah they're hearing from God clearly mm-hmm. but they're missing the process how do you do that yeah so 
I'll, I'll talk about as it relates to elders team. Yeah, it, it would apply to pastoral sure. team as well. But so if I if I, I there was a, a certain issue that I, that came to, to came to me that I really felt like uh, we needed to go a certain direction with the church. I'm not going to get into the details. Right. It would take too long. But I, so what I'll do is I'll take that thought and I'll just ask the team, what do you think about this? What are your ideas? Let's discuss this. And particularly on the elders team, I pretty much try, unless it's just like a slam dunk, I try not to make the decision in one meeting. Right. So I say, okay, we've heard everybody's input on that. Let's go back. Let's pray about this. Let's process this. We'll talk about it next meeting. That may go on, depending on what the issue is, and that may go on four or five meetings. Yes. Okay. As an expediter, that can be difficult. (laughs) That hurts. I want to go. I want to move. Yeah. But... Experience has taught me right. that that process time is right. so very very important, yes. and yes. so I I'm I'm now okay with that. It actually doesn't hurt as bad as it used right, to, right. because I realize it's okay. We'll get there. And typically, if I've really felt like I've heard God on something, and this is where we need to go, the team's going to be there. They will. It, it just we just get to give them the time to get there. Yeah. So I heard uh, a wise leader once told me that when you're leading a church. Uh, it's not, it, and, you, and you're trying to steer in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. It's not like turning a rowboat that you have a little tiller back there and right. you just turn on. Right. It's like it's like an ocean liner. That's right. And you just got to, you might take exactly. two miles to turn that thing a little, little bit of a different direction yeah. where the rowboat can turn in 10 right. feet. And so you need to think about that analogy. We're, 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 we're This is an ocean liner we're turning. Right. And we're going to turn it very slowly yeah. and very gently and we're not going to rock right. anybody's world. We just got to right. take it. We got to take our and time. And you know, that, that's such a good analogy. And the thing we have to understand about that is the larger the ministry, the larger the church, yeah. the more of an ocean liner. Sure. And often the longer it takes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I sometimes I'm with younger leaders and they'll say, well, why don't you make a decision? Well, they're leading a group of 20 people mm-hmm. or 50 people or 100 people, whatever. And you, you can move fairly fast then. Mm-hmm. So only a few people or, or they slide off the boat. <laughs> going, you know. But the large, it just takes time because people need ownership sure. and they people need to feel valued mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You're valuing them in the process. Yeah. Great. This has been awesome. Yeah. Any other insights you'd have you want to share today with us in our discussion on leadership? If you, if you were right now 20 years of age saying, I know I'm called to leadership, uh, I think it might be business. If you were back in those days, or it could be church, of course, the same basic principles. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to yeah, offer to those who are in our discussion today? Yeah, I would. Uh, just engage in the process God's taking you through. Mm. So when I was young, um, I thought everything had to happen by tomorrow afternoon. You know, it, it had to happen now. And, and of course, we can use the analogy of Joseph. He heard God. He had dreams. Yeah. Um, they were, he was all, his dreams were correct. They were. But it was going to take a lot of years and some hard knocks to get there. And so if you have a dream from God uh, that you really feel he's called you to, don't think that that has to happen tomorrow afternoon. I use right. the, the example of you lo- holding things loosely. I think when the harder you grip things, the more they slip out of your hands right. many times. So right. we hold it loosely, but keep the vision in front of you. Like, don't let the vision die. Right. So, so keep whatever you need to do. Yes. Like, if you have a prophetic word, transcribe it. You yes. know, write it down, read it from time yes. to time. Yes. Uh, there's something like that to keep that vision alive, keep that dream alive. But don't think you need to make it happen. As soon as you try to go out and force whatever that dream, that vision is to happen, um, you, you may short circuit the process. Now... It's it's a delicate balance because you also can't be lethargic, right. lazy, exactly. and, you know. So if God opens doors, you need to walk through them. That's right. But don't try to kick the doors open. Right. Yeah. 
Now, I want to ask you this, Shay, because you you live in these two worlds. You're still doing some business on a little the bit side, on right? The side, still yeah. Yeah, a little bit. So I like I'll, to keep my finger in that world yeah. a little bit because it's. So if it's I want to buy a house, you still help me buy. You get a house, if, right? If you, if you beg, I might. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the deal. You're still living in these two worlds, yeah. and there's, I meet some leaders, especially in other nations, but even in this nation, and they feel like when you're called to be a pastor, you're called to be a leader, it'd be wrong to be messing in the business world, right. you know, and because, because it's almost like the sacred and secular, which is sure. crazy, it's not true. Like right. you said, it's all ministry. Right. If you're ministering in your business, ministering in a job, ministering in the church, it's all ministry. Absolutely. Just who pays the bills, mm -hmm. and God's the source for all of us. Right. Now, how does that work for you? Uh, are you able to balance that? Or what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I can. Like what happened my first five years in ministry, um, I still did a fair amount of real estate on the side, and it worked out really well. Um, it didn't interfere with my business okay. world. And because I had been in the business so long, at all these contacts and sure. people would call me up, want to do business. And, and so it, it didn't require an ex exorbitant amount of time. But then after five years, when I became the senior pastor, I made a conscious decision to lay this down. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much, any, anytime anybody would contact me, say, let me refer you to a friend of sure, mine. I'm, I'm unable sure. to do that right now. Uh, but then after doing that for about four or five years, I felt like I had my feet on the ground well enough as a senior pastor. And I, and I began to see all the, again, the, the influence and the connections and the opportunities there that are there that I was missing. So I decided I made a conscious decision to engage a little bit more back into that world just to, you know, keep those contacts alive and to, you know, keep my finger in that world as well. Cause I see it uh, as you described, I see it as um, very, very important in connecting, um, and connecting church and ministry yes. with the, the business world, I, I, I do not see that in problematic at all. In fact, I think there should be it's more healthy, connection yeah. made. It's very healthy. Mm -hmm. So, and having made a conscious decision to do that, I now do a little bit more, still not much because I'm very, very busy. But I, I do have to be careful because I have this, um, I'm an expediter, I want to make things happen. So anything that comes my way, I want to, yep, yeah, I'll do that, I can do that. And so I do have to consciously be careful to guard my time, and I have to listen to my wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that, because I want to ask you that question yet. You are in a unique setting. You, obviously, senior pastor of Westgate Church. Mim, your wife, is one of the associate pastors yeah. of the church. How does that work? Well, it works very, very well, because back in the days when I was in real estate, I always had this idea that I could have my wife come on maybe as an assistant or, a, yeah. or help me in that role. She was a homemaker. She wasn't working sure. outside the home. We had three little children and she was, uh, you know, doing, uh, right. she was busy. Right. And so um, that was never going to work. That's not who she was. Yeah. In fact, it got to the point where we, we really didn't talk about business at all at home. And it wasn't an unhealthy thing. We had other things to sure. talk about. She just didn't connect with the business right. world at all. Right. Now in ministry, we connect extremely well. So we probably if anything we have to be careful that we don't just talk about church all the yeah, time right. we have other things that you know it's right. a, so we don't become too um you know everything's about the church and right. ministry uh but sort of working alongside of her in this in this role has worked out very very well i would say it's connected us uh, in our marriage at a deeper level than we've ever been connected with before well, it's, it's also so healthy to have women in leadership oh, yeah. with us because half of 
the church is women, you know, and they need a connection that God you know, could use them in the same way God is using men. And, and seeing those kind of models are really important. I think you've done that really well. I do want to say one more thing about that, about listening to our spouses. Um, I remember still in the business business realm, um, I, I made a decision to do make a, a financial move in business and very, very seldom did Mim give me any input on that kind of thing because she just didn't, didn't connect with it. And yeah. so I said, here's what I'm planning on doing. She said, I don't know that that's such a good idea. You might want to rethink that. And my mind was, <laughs> she doesn't understand this stuff. You right. know, I'm, I'm, I know I got this. Right. And uh, I went ahead with that decision and it cost me a lot of money. <laughs> and so uh, it would have been very wise for me to heed her counsel in that situation. So if your spouse yeah. has a check about something, you better back up yeah. and just take a time out. Maybe you go forward with it after you're on the same page, but don't move forward if you're not in unity on that. That is so important. I've yeah. heard that the hard way too. <laughs> you know, I, I get that tone and I agree. Um, yeah. In closing, any anything you'd like to say to any younger leaders, people aspiring leadership, uh, you'd like to speak to them, say, here's something that would really help you. Uh, is there anything else in your heart you want to yeah, say? Yeah, um, I would. I feel like there's so many opportunities to get trained, mm. to be developed mm. in, 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 your, in who you are. Like when I was in real estate, I took all kinds of sales training yes. courses, finance courses, yeah. you name it, all kinds yeah. of stuff. I was always taking some kind yeah. of class and course. Uh, I learned so much that way and grew so much. And, and the same is true, whether it be, and by the way, if you think you're called to um, ministry, yeah. take sales courses, sure. take whatever, sure. grow, develop yourself yes. as a person holistically. It's not, oh, if it's not a spiritual thing, I should, no, learn to grow, take public speaking classes, yes. take sales classes, yes. take whatever, you know, things like that that come along and do the, the, the Dove Hopewell Leadership Training School. I mean, right. that school is phenomenal. Yeah. And so those sorts of opportunities, if you feel like you're called to leadership, whether it be business or ministry, just look for those opportunities, yes. press into them. You're gonna grow so much and learn so much and you'll, you'll be real happy yeah. that you did that. But thanks for joining me today. Yeah. This is really, really, really good. Yeah. And so we're so glad you've joined us today. And together we're finding ways that we can find these leadership truths, these, even these small things that might seem very small, but that which will cause huge, huge events or huge results in the future as we continue to obey the Lord, whether it's in the business world or whether it's in the church world or both and wherever God's called. So, Daryl, thank you again for joining us. You bet. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.